Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily. Huge show today, a lot of stories. I know it's a Friday, but you got to stick with me. First up, the United States Special Forces, it has been confirmed, have been secretly training Taiwan's military on a covert mission that's been taking place since 2020. Next, Biden is continuing his campaign against unvaccinated Americans. Third, the way forward on abortion tested products for the pro-life movement. I promised you that. And then finally, Trump tells four former aides to defy the unconstitutional January 6th committee subpoenas. All this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. All right, and just so everybody remembers, this show is powered by Turning Point USA. And I have to tell you, the America Fest is coming up. This is going to be the biggest event for America-loving patriots in the entire country. Where is it taking place? Phoenix, Arizona, December 18th to 21st. And folks, you have got to get your tickets before. If you've been to a Turning Point event before, and I've been to a lot of them, this is going to blow them all. Don't get me wrong. I love Turning Point events, but this is going to absolutely take the cake. And I asked them, I said, can you tell me who's going to be speaking? Can I let people know? I want to tell them. They said, we can't tell you. Just say big name speakers and country stars, country singers. I said, come on, just, just let me let me tell because they're really going to be. And they said, they won't let me say. They said they won't let me say who's speaking because it hasn't been announced yet. But let me just say, everyone, it is going to make you very happy when you hear who's coming out. So make sure, go to the website, get your America Fest tickets. Because once they're gone, they're gone. Once they're gone, I can't help you. Don't, don't come to me after they're gone and say, oh, Jack, can you get me in? I, I can't. When they're gone, they're gone. You've been told you have to now go and get them on your own. So let's get into the stories. Today, first story up. This is absolutely huge. A secret operation that's been taking place since the Trump administration. U.S. Special Forces are training and have been training the Taiwanese military since 2020. Now, I want to give people an understanding of this because we have been conducting trainings with the Taiwanese military at the, at the Special Forces level for several years now. Right. And those are typically called JSETs, uh, Joint Combined Excellence Training. Right. And what that is, is interoperability training, best tips and practices from U.S. Special Forces to Taiwan. But it usually only lasts for like a week or two. It's, it's not that long. It's less than 100 people. It's very small. This is something different. This is actual special operations training. And I want to go to humanevents.com, has the story up. And I'll tell you exactly the way that we put it there. So go to humanevents.com, get the full story. A U.S. Special Operations Unit and a contingent of the Marine Corps have been covertly working in Taiwan to train military forces, part of efforts to increase the island's defense system as potential Chinese aggression mounts. Members of the Special Operations Troops are conducting training for small units of Taiwan's ground forces. The Marines are working with local maritime forces on small boat training and have been doing so for at least a year. The deployment comes amid concerns over Taiwan's defense capabilities and China's recent threatening moves against the island. Indeed, Taiwan and U.S. have expressed concern over nearly 150 flights. We talked about the flights before entering China, uh, Taiwanese airspace and to give people an understanding of what the threat level is. So let me explain this as a former naval intel officer. This is unprecedented. Typically, these activities only take place, as I said before, through a limited time. It's, it's a two-week engagement. It's not something that's extended. It's not a long-term mission. This is the start of something new. What you're going to be preparing for, uh, number one, is preventing Taiwan 
from having a vulnerability to those Chinese attacks, a PLA attack that would come in the first waves or before the first wave of invasion, which of course would be infiltration and counter special operations operations. So what you're gonna, what that means is you're gonna be looking to fortify targets for uh, preventing, preventing a special operations attack or making sure that if you can identify any Chinese PLA special operators that are operating on that island of Taiwan, and I guarantee you they're already there. I guarantee, just common sense, folks. It's common sense. They speak the same language. They're going to be there and they're going to infiltrate to try to take out what communications nodes. They're going to try to gum up relays. They're going to do cyber attacks. They're going to do everything they can prior to an actual kinetic invasion of Taiwan. Uh, the next thing you're going to see most likely is maritime militia coming across that Taiwan Strait in waves, or it's going to be a lot of numbers, followed, of course, by air, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so those, those aircraft, if they're looking for targets, if they're looking for strike targets, they have to put together what's called a strike package. They need What do they need for that coordinates? They have to know what type of building it is. They need targeting information. They have to figure out what type of munitions they want to use. So all of that will be done by these um, PLA, Special Operations Forces, and Intelligence Security Forces when they come onto the island prior to any engagements. That's exactly, I guarantee you, what the Taiwanese military is being trained to understand, but then also learning how to protect that island. You have to imagine the waters around the island of Taiwan are going to be dumped full of mines within the first few minutes of this engagement, certainly the first few hours, if something like this happens. Of course, we don't want it to happen. We want peace through strength. We want to maintain what's going on now. But because of the aggression of mainland China, we have to now support what's going on there. This is Silicon Valley West. The semiconductors, 92% of the high-powered, sophisticated uh, semiconductors are on the island of Taiwan. Stay tuned. Let's go more up ahead. Human Events Daily. In the book 1984, there is an element that the party, um, INGSOC, the English Socialist Party, uses to command their people's passions and to inflame the passions against the enemies of the state. And they call this two minutes hate. Uh, it's particularly targeting Emmanuel Goldstein, who's seen as the leader of the resistance. And for two minutes in every workplace, in every school, everywhere you are in the country, you have to stand down and listen to somebody come on air and give the two minutes hate against Emmanuel Goldstein and learn why he is such a threat to the country and how everyone will be killed and destroyed because Emmanuel Goldstein is out there and he hates everyone and he is the greatest threat to the nation, to Oceania, right? Having said that, listen to Joe Biden talk about the unvaccinated yesterday. We're headed in the right direction if we don't, if we keep our eye on the ball here. We still have a long way to go. The fact is, this has been a pandemic of the unvaccinated unvaccinated. The unvaccinated overcrowd our hospitals, overrunning emergency rooms and intensive care units. The unvaccinated patients are, are leaving no room for someone with a heart attack or in need of a cancer operation, and so much more because they can't get into the ICU, they can't get into the operating rooms. The unvaccinated also put our economy at risk because people are reluctant to go out. Think about this. Even in places where there is no restriction on going to restaurants and gyms and movie theaters, people are not going. And anywhere near the numbers because they're worried they're going to get sick. So this is a prime example of a propaganda tactic, which is known as scapegoating. Um, he knows that his numbers on COVID aren't what he promised. He knows that the situation isn't where he said it would be. He also knows, by the way, that 
people who have been vaccinated can also spread COVID. So he's, he's just lying. But I want people to understand that it's beyond just he knows he's lying. Well, he might not know, but the people who wrote his speech know. And what he's doing, it has nothing to do with science or medicine. What he's doing is inflaming the anger and the passion of his people, of his supporters against the unvaccinated. He is using them as a scapegoat, a scapegoat for his own failures and to make people angry at them rather than look at this feckless leader and say, this has been his problem. He's the one who failed. He's the one who couldn't get this thing under control. And he's the one who won't use the science-based methods of simply saying that there are certain people that are greater risk to COVID because of comorbidities, because of immunodeficiencies, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, we need to protect those people more than we protect healthy people and everyone else. It's, just, it's really as simple as that. It's That's all you need to say. But he won't do that because he has, his entire administration has wedded himself to this idea of 100% vaccination. But here's an interesting thing, speaking of percentages, that he himself has decided to do. So take a listen. These requirements work. And as the business roundtable and others told me when I announced the first requirement, that encouraged businesses to feel they could come in and demand the same thing of their employees. More people are getting vaccinated. More lives are being saved. Let's be clear. When you see headlines and reports of mass firings and hundreds of people losing their jobs, look at the bigger story. I've spoken with Scott Kirby, CEO of United Airlines, who's here today. United went from 59% of their employees to 99% of their employees in less than two months after implementing the requirement. 99%. So you caught that, right? Don't worry about the headline saying that we fired hundreds and thousands of people. Don't worry about all the people losing their jobs, because look at the fact that the numbers go from 59% to 99%. <laughs> I'm like, this guy doesn't actually understand. 50 years in Washington, he doesn't understand how percentages work. Here's a meme from Grand Old Memes, G-O-M, that I think really kind of ex explains what's going on here, right? Of course you have up to almost 100% unvaccinated uh, now because you fired all the vaccinated people, Joe. You fired them all. You made them lose their jobs. You made them lose their livelihoods. You kicked them out on the street. You're kicking them out of the military. You're talking about putting them through court martials and giving them a dishonorable discharge because they didn't want to take the vaccine for religious reasons, which we talked about. We're going to talk about again. But you say it doesn't matter because the numbers are going up. No, you idiot. You're juking the stats. Everyone can see that. If you fire the people that are unvaccinated, then obviously 100% will be vaccinated. It's like, it, it's this, this is why, by the way, people who can do math don't go to Washington, D.C. They go and they make money. They go into crypto. They go to stock market, whatever, right? right? They know that that's not how the world works. But if you go to stupid people in Washington, D.C. who don't know math and don't understand basic economics, right, they can get away with this because nobody sits down and actually challenges them on it. This is also why they don't teach math in schools anymore. Basic mathematical uh, explanations or basic mathematical concepts. So you've got a guy who's up there demanding this. And, and keep in mind, right, you know, they say illegal immigrants live in the shadows. Well, are we going to get to the point where the unvaccinated have to live in the shadows, trading black market, you know, cards around just so they can get on a bus so they can get on an airplane? It's ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous. It is medical tyranny. They are doing all this in the name of medical tyranny. And for, I, for one, I'm absolutely not going to stand for it.
I'm not going to stand for it, and neither should you. Stay tuned. We'll be right back talking more about this very serious issue. And you know, since we were just talking about percentages in the last segment and how Joe Biden doesn't understand them, I wanted to remind you all that we do understand percentages. We understand math and we actually support math and we support STEM. And we also know that when percentages matter, that because you can save up to 66% off of your MyPillow.com order by utilizing promo code POSO. Support us, support Human Events Daily. Go there and support yourself, your family, and your own sleep. Upgrade your sleep system, MyPillow.com. Folks, I want to get into, again, continuing the story about the way forward when it comes to the pro-life movement on this issue of abortion-tested products. So let me first play this video, this latest update from Project Veritas confronting this vice president out of Pfizer over these statements, over these emails, and then we'll explain. Take a listen. I'm a journalist of Project Veritas, and a whistleblower of Pfizer recently released four internal emails. And what I want to know is why did you write an email saying that you would prefer we do not discuss fetal tissue being used in laboratory tests associated with vaccine growth? Philip Dormitzer, vice president, chief scientific officer. These are not low-level people here. Copying Vanessa Gelman, we have an approved answer to this question, the question being about fetal tissue, mm -hmm. which Vanessa can probably provide, H-E-K-2932, what does that mean, heck cells? Uh, human embryo kidney cells, okay. and it was from experiment 293. From the perspective of corporate affairs, we wanna avoid having the information on the fetal cell lines floating out there. We believe that the risk of communicating this right now outweighs any potential benefit that we could see, particularly with general members of the public who may take this information and use it in ways we may not want it out there. Why would you lie to the American public? Uh, I'd like to talk to you right now since, since I'm with you. Um, should the American public trust Pfizer at this point since a lot of whistleblowers have come out and even we've exposed scientists saying that the uh, antibodies are better than the vaccine itself? So your antibodies are probably better at that point than the vaccination. You know, how can the American public trust you guys at this point, Phil? You don't want to give us any comment about that tonight, Phil? Phil, we expose everybody, just so you know, brother. Once again, we ask the questions, they run away. Um, he did say we can contact his communications department, so that's what we'll do now, but that's how it goes. We ask the questions and they run. Um, who's next? So the debate is absolutely raging when it comes to this issue. And I've seen so many people say, they say, wait, wait, hold on. This is testing on the products. It's not included in the products. There are other products out there that have been tested on this. Should we ban all those? Should we uh, boycott all those? What is the way to go forward? This is you know, a crazy situation. It's a complicated situation. So I made a lot of phone calls to people about this last night. You know, I've been praying on it. I've been reading about it, the different takes on it. And here's, here's where I'm going to come down. Here's where I'm going to say the way forward for the pro-life movement. You got to understand, look, look at other movements that are out there that are being successful. The social justice movement doesn't care how long ago something was. They will talk about 1619 if they need to, because they want to right historic wrongs. That's where they're coming from as a moral movement. Vegans will not eat honey. They will go to the level of not eating honey and refraining from that because they do not want to benefit from that which is to them a moral wrong, right? The fact that it is an animal product. So you got to understand that when you're making a moral stance on something, number one, you have to take it to that level. But now I also understand that we live in the real world. So here's the thing. If you want to boycott those products and you can go and you can find lists of them, think of it as a fast. Think of it as giving up something as a fast 
as penance, right? As penance in the here and now, but also look at it as a way to pressure these companies, whether it's pharmaceuticals, whether it's food, whatever it is, to stop this practice, to stop this barbaric practice of testing products for people, right? On cells, tissue, et cetera, from aborted fetuses. We do not want to cooperate. We do not want to benefit from this. We do not want to comply as Christians and pro-lifers. If the pro-life movement is going to gain traction, they need to stand strong on this issue. They need to pressure these companies. They have to say enough is enough. And for those companies out there and the military and other institutions that say you don't deserve a religious exemption, let me just say this. Abortion is not compatible with the Christian religion. It's as simple as that. All right, one more segment coming at you, Human Events Daily. So this last segment, I just, I had to step in with my old friend, Joy Reed to see what she's up to. Now, many people don't remember this, but we do have a clip of me being thrown off of the Joy Reed show back in 2016. I have to look that up because uh, that's kind of amazing. But yes, I, I was on a panel with Joy Reed and she threw me off her show in Philadelphia during the DNC. It's pretty amazing. But so I wanted to check out, to see what she's up to, to see whether or not she's uh, doing well and to see who she's talking about. Let's take a listen. Let's say there are criminal referrals against, let's say, Steve Bannon says he's not coming or Cash Patel says he's not showing up. And this criminal referral happens. Can you walk us through what that process looks like? Well, I'm not certain that the chairman has decided specifically what we're going to do, but there's a process for getting criminal contempt that is turning the information over to the U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia and trying to get the Department of Justice to uh, demand that these people appear in court and be jailed until the point at which they cooperate with the congressional subpoena. It could be civil contempt, or it also could be inherent contempt of Congress, where we design our own process for hauling these people in and perhaps fining them until they're willing to cooperate. But I don't know what makes them think they're better than anybody else in the country. All of the rest of us have to cooperate when we receive a subpoena. In fact, what makes them better than the hundreds of people who stormed the Capitol, broke the windows and assaulted federal officers? Those yeah. people have had to comply. And so somehow they think they get some kind of magic immunity from Donald Trump. And I know that's a guy who has been surrounded by armies of lawyers for his entire life and acts with complete lawlessness and impunity, but even he has to face with the law, which catches up with him. I mean, think about the Trump University case where they defrauded all those people. They ended up having to pay millions of dollars. Think about the House of Representatives twice impeaching Donald Trump. Um, so the law is going to catch up with all of these people. And I think that they're just making a really bad mistake to cast their lot with Donald Trump, because in the final analysis, he will cut these people off. And they're going to be facing the law and their families have to deal with the shame of the disrespect they're showing to the rule of law in the government of the United States. Now, look at this. They're telling you right up front in the first 30 seconds of that clip, Jamie Raskin, the guy who presided over the past two unconstitutional impeachments that were, went down in flames, by the way, they were complete failures, says that he wants to put people behind bars if they refuse to comply with the subpoenas for his new unconstitutional committee. I'll be very clear about this. Congress is not a law enforcement body. Congress is a legislative body. 
they are only allowed to issue subpoenas in furtherance of pursuing new legislation. But that's not what they're doing here. You cannot subpoena someone based on their activities that are protected under the First Amendment, which is, of course, the right to protest. The right to protest, by the way, in Washington, D.C., was enshrined by the liberal left during the Vietnam War. So this is your own laws that say this is legal for them to prepare a protest. They did not participate in any crimes that day. No one's accused of them of any crimes. And now Trump is coming out saying that he's asking his people that were in the White House to defy them based on the idea of executive privilege. That means that the president has executive privilege over this and that Congress can't get, the, get at these documents. This is something the Supreme Court has held many, many times. It is a long-standing tradition in the United States. And I'm sorry, Jamie Raskin, I'm absolutely sorry. Your committee is unconstitutional. You're a fool. And Joy Reid, gosh, I love you. Never change. Never change, Joy. Just, just, just a warm, lovable teddy bear. We love you, Joy Reid. God bless. It's all for us here at Human Events Daily for today and for this week. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for taking us back to number one for Apple politics and also for just being that influence agent that you have to be in these times. Share this out with your normie friends. Get it to everybody. We are the bottom line up front. We are good. We are brief. We are gone. That's the entire point of this. You get in, you get out, you get the cliff notes of the entire week of what you need to know to arm yourself with facts about what's happening. But before we go, it's time for today's moment in history. Today is the 20th anniversary, folks, of the founding of the wonderful, the illustrious Department of Homeland Security. Yes, they've protected us from so much terrorism. They protected us, for, for example, from the rise of ISIS. They protect us from Antifa. They protect us from the BLM riots. They protect us so, so, so much. And now they are going to protect us from ourselves by locking up innocent and peaceful American protesters. God bless you to the men and women of the Department of Homeland Security. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.